Yeah, no longer neighbors, hosted by Chris and Aaron. Used to live next door, Dallas, Texas, representing. But then Aaron moved away. Yeah, that's the situation. So join the podcast, get in on the conversation. Yeah, yeah, authentic, real friends, I admit it. Still keeping the connection, it don't matter about the distance. You don't have to wait up, I'ma tell you straight up. Entertaining for sure, this is no longer neighbors. Yeah. Did you miss us? Away for a week and back for another No Longer Neighbors, Chris Mykoski and Aaron Aruda. Aaron, I missed you so much. I mean, you stayed in touch via text, which I appreciate, but it's good to see your face. Yeah, I hope everybody had a good holiday weekend. I can't say I thought too much about the podcast, but I <laughs> once I got back in front of the mic, it's good to see you. It's good to talk to guests again. It's good to get back in, you know, kind of the saddle behind the monitor and uh, talk about some interesting topics today. Well, you wanted to start off with an Apple event and you know I'm team Android, so I will indulge you and maybe you can try to convince me, but I, you know how much I love my Samsung Galaxy. You know, I've tried to play impartial, as I said on our other podcast. I work in the tech industry, so I kind of have to be careful here. I am impartial. I enjoy all tech events. I, you know, had been playing with uh, one of the new Galaxy Notes that just came out, Note 20 Ultra, amazing phone in many ways, but the Apple events do tend to get a lot of press. Sure. And I have friends every year that no matter what phone I'm using, always ask me, when is the new iPhone coming out? And I'm like, I don't really know any more than the next guy. Even though I work in the industry, Apple is very good at keeping all that stuff very secret. However, there's always leaks. So typically this week would be the week each year when a new iPhone is announced. However, I think because of coronavirus and some other things and just how Labor Day fell, they decided to punt till next week. So next week, we have a big Apple event. However, there's some leaks that say we're actually not going to get an iPhone announcement next week, which normally would happen. We're just going to get an Apple Watch announcement and maybe some tablets. But the iPhone announcement is not going to be until October uh, because I believe it was their CFO who said uh, on their last quarterly results, the iPhone was going to be released a couple weeks later for investor guidance. Um, he let them know that. So anyone who's just desperately waiting to upgrade their phone or hanging on for dear life and you want to buy an iPhone, um, you might be waiting a little bit longer. So I believe it's this coming Tuesday, noon central time, our time. If you want to, you can tune in on Apple's website, but uh, very excited to see what comes out next because there's some great Android phones out in the market right now, Chris. So, you know, Apple better bring its uh, A game, if you don't mind. My wife uh, will be waiting for that announcement. She is hardcore team iPhone. And we have, it's a constant back and forth in our house when one phone does something better than the other. It's point iPhone for her and it's point Android for me. So uh, she will probably be one of the first to reserve the new iPhone when it uh, becomes available. You know, everybody right now is obviously, we talk about so often on this show that we have a country divided and a network has decided that they're going to try old school 
down the line, 100% non-biased journalism. And we'll see how it goes and how they do on ratings. But, you know, everybody who leans to the Republican side is watching Fox News, or in some cases, the really far Republican side, they're finding OAN, whereas the Democratic side is watching CNN and MSNBC. WGN America just this month launched News Nation, which is on every night in prime time. And again, no bias, at least that's what they're trying to accomplish. I don't know how well it's going to fly. For the sake of a friend of mine who's actually a, an exec at Nexstar, which is the parent company of WGN, I hope it does well. I have my doubts, though. I think people want their, to see their biased information, honestly. Yeah, I've watched a bit of it, and I was definitely impressed with how down the line they were taking it. But it's a different kind of news show because there's not a, any commentary, really. They're just they're just spitting out the news, which has it has honestly more of a feel, not in the production quality, because the production quality is great, but it, it just has more of a feel of kind of a local newscast where you hear story after story after story, and you're not getting the kind of commentary that you're going to get on a Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson on Fox or Rachel Maddow. Um, or any of the folks on CNN, right? It, it is a down-the-line newscast, but I think it's a great idea because honestly, right now, if you were to tell me um, before this came on, where can you turn on and watch a national broadcast that just tells you what's going on in the United States with no bent? I don't think it existed. I don't, I don't think it did. Not on regular television. CBS News Network does a good job with it, but it is strictly a streaming network and i've been a big fan of theirs ever since they started 24 7 network but again you have to have the app on your smart tv or whatnot to watch it so yeah having this available uh i think is a good option for people for me i'm on youtube tv and they don't carry wgn america so i i can't consume it in full i do get the clips on uh wgn america's facebook page but uh, I'm lacking the full broadcast. So uh, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous that you get to see it every night. Well, no, I, I don't get to see it every night. I, you could actually log on at least for a while. I haven't done it in the last few nights onto their website and watch it. Okay. So here's the thing. You're a broadcaster. You know much more than I do. Everything in broadcasting is about distribution. Mm -hmm. Now, that's changed a little bit with the internet where you can go directly to folks, especially with apps and things. But I think that, you know, uh, like any network, WGN America does want to make that cable money. And so if you're sure. giving it directly to people, you're not going to you're not going to get that revenue um, like you would from the cable company. So it says something on their website about this being kind of like a limited time. So they have some kind of a deal where people could watch it online to kind of get them hooked. But then they want you, of course, to call your cable provider. And so my cable provider doesn't have it either. And so you know, to me, the biggest question here is not about is there a demand for this, but is there enough demand that people will actively pound down the doors of their cable providers so they can get it? Because I think if it was readily available for anyone to watch, there's a pretty good chance that they could do pretty well. But, you know, it's still a business. You talk about the, uh, the local news just being more down the line in a general sense. The name brand of the network, though, just makes people assume even the local news yeah. 
uh, but they're not if people aren't paying attention they just assume that the local news has that same bent as their their national namesake funny thing is when i was in louisiana at both duopolies that i worked for both in monroe and in baton rouge the station group owned the local fox and nbc so i would do the sports on the fox affiliate at nine and on nbc at six and ten and i would walk around and you know i'd, I'd have the logos on my jacket and people would be so confused like how can you work for both aren't isn't one completely right one completely left it's like not at the local level has nothing to do with it. it is just an affiliate agreement to where you know channel 33 in baton rouge shows the NBC programming and the channel 44 shows the Fox programming. It does not affect our news coverage one iota. And that should be made obvious in the fact that you're seeing the same reporters on both networks most nights, but so you, you know. didn't have to do a, a liberal and conservative right. bent to your sports <laughs> reporting, Chris. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I would completely decry people for uh, kneeling during national anthem during my Fox broadcast at nine and then turn around at 10 o'clock and say, look at these people who are standing up for injustice in our country by kneeling. Speaking of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. NFL kicking off uh, on Thursday night. Uh, as we tape this, the Chiefs and Texans are still playing. So we cannot give you the full recap of the game. But we can talk a little bit about what happened before the game and what we expect to see on that uh, on Sunday when all the other teams get started. Uh, during the national anthem, most Chiefs players stood. One, at least, that we saw in frame knelt and raised his fist. The Texans, on the other hand, just stayed in the locker room for the national anthem. And word is that that's going to happen for several other teams. They're just not going to be out on the field at all during the national anthem. And the NFL has also added beyond the star spangled banner, lift every voice and sing, which is known as the black national anthem. So both of those songs are going to play in pregame. Uh, and then before kickoff, right after the coin toss, I believe it was uh, the chiefs and Texans stood arm in arm for a moment of unity. So, Nobody kneeling in that circumstance, just everybody together to show they want to fight this racial injustice and um, be together in that sense, even if they can't be together for the anthem. Yeah, I, I said this week that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little less controversial. I kind of have a, a headache with both sides on, on all of these issues, but I, I've said it before. I, I think I'm in, in support of the players doing what you know, they feel is right. And so I'm glad to see that organizations are working together with their players to kind of come to, I don't know if you call it a compromise, but a way that we can, you know, work together to talk about issues that are affecting people and bring attention to them. And so I, I think that's great. And I do hope that at some point, um, though I want these issues to get recognized we can come together the other side of it and play football, right? And and have a game where it does feel like a game and that, you know, people are, are excited about football again and it's not this divisive event. You will see end racism painted in one end zone and it takes all of us painted in the other end zone this season. And also players have the opportunity 
it won't be everybody, but uh, players have the opportunity to put a victim of racial injustice, their name on the back of their helmet. So you'll see Breonna Taylor, you'll see Ahmaud Arbery, you'll see a lot of other names uh, on the helmets uh, this year. Do you have a Super Bowl pick? Because I really haven't looked at it hard enough to even give you one. I'll just say the Chiefs are going to repeat. Yeah, I don't have a pick. I honestly didn't know that the Saints were considered number two um, by all the odds makers right now, or some of the top picks, um, and then followed by the Seahawks and the Ravens. So uh, I tend to, you know, be a Cowboys fan and stay in that world. So I'm just going to be a homer and say, this is our year. Good for you. Bringing up odds makers, we circle back to what's happening in Las Vegas and the ongoing impact of COVID-19 on that city. Obviously, it's hurt tourism everywhere in the world and probably nowhere more so than Las Vegas. I mean, if I'm thinking of where I want to go my first trip once I start to feel safe, I'm at, it's probably going to be somewhere a little bit more wide open and in nature. Like, I want to take a trip down to Big Bend. I have no desire to go to Las Vegas anytime soon. Yeah, I decided to bring this one up because I recently encountered somebody that I know that took a trip to Las Vegas over Labor Day weekend. And I asked them what it was like there. And they said it really wasn't kind of very Vegas-like. So the hotels are open, uh, some gambling's open. Um, but beyond that, the restaurants are kind of hit or miss and the, not all of them are open by any means. And the ones that are open, um, it's reservation only. And it's, it's kind of, it's just a totally different environment. Most of the shows aren't open. So, you know, I guess you can go to Las Vegas if you're a hardcore gambler and you just really want to gamble, but there's just, it, it, it's kind of lost the luster of the entertainment city. And one of the reasons why I love Vegas so much is because of everything else, actually, not so much the gambling. It, there was a survey taken a few years ago among millennials, which said millennials were the first generation that said the number one reason they didn't go or they went to Las Vegas was not gambling, right? So it was more about food. It was more about shows. It was more about entertainment than about everything else. And so you strip all that away. It's kind of like, man, I don't really know what Vegas has to offer beyond just, you know, being able to play cards for money. So I'm very interested to see how all this turns out. Um, maybe it will recover, but I tend to think it's going to be a very long road. As you said, when a lot of people who have been uncomfortable traveling, get back to traveling, I would think they're going to favor wide open spaces versus large, massive buildings with lots of people. Yeah, we're talking about where we want to go, and our son is so Disney crazy right now that we're talking about Disneyland, but again, that's one of those where if there's a, a lot of people there, I don't know how long it's going to take for us to be comfortable to go uh, there, but right now, I mean, there's we don't have any timeline on it, so we'll, uh, we'll wait and see how everything shakes out with vaccines, with uh, how many people actually want to take it. And uh, that could be a, a very long way from now. But my travel uh, will resume for work, barring cancellations, uh, later this month. I'm supposed to hit the road for a September 26th college football game between Houston Baptist 
and Louisiana Tech for ESPN. And uh, that's in Ruston, Louisiana, the hometown of our guest today, Kyle Roberts. Yeah, I mean, luckily, we don't need to go anywhere to have a great podcast. So we were able to get Kyle on and talk to him about his new album, which is maybe something a little bit different than a lot of people listen to. I've listened to a bit so far. I know you said you've had it on a repeat. So uh, hopefully, you know, everybody enjoys the interview. But more importantly, hopefully everybody enjoys Kyle's music. Our theme music hasn't changed. This is Noble Prizes, the EP available everywhere you stream music. Kyle Roberts is responsible for this, and he joins us this week on No Longer Neighbors. And Kyle, just to peel back the curtain a little bit for everybody, Kyle's actually known my wife even longer than he's known me, which is back at Louisiana Tech. And she was remembering a band that you were in called the Fat Boys, is that right? That is correct. That was the uh, the first real uh, college band that I played with. And, uh, you know, um, I had to, uh, um, that was probably about the third band that I started to play uh, play music with when I got into college at Tech, which has been, gosh, I'm dating myself. It's been, you know, 20 years now, back in the year 2000. And uh, yeah, the Fat, the Fat Boys was actually a funk band. And uh, as you could tell by the, intro music that's not exactly the sound that I'm going for anymore but it was definitely a really cool experience to uh to that was the first time that I really played with other people and had to completely learn a a new skill set for how to actually play in a band rather than just play uh, as a, a solo piano player. So Kyle we have a new I don't know if you call this a game but this is something to get to know our guests a little bit better so you're going to be the first victim of the rapid response questions. So honored. Because this is the first time, I'm just going to let everybody know what this is. We're going to try to answer 10 questions as fast as we can with real answers, but definitely in under a minute. So the goal is to do 10 questions in under 60 seconds, but we're going to keep track of these, I guess. And, you know, you're the first one, so you're going to be automatically the record holder. So that's so honored for you, no matter how, how well you do. All right, are you ready? Chris, do you have a timer ready? I do. I'm man in the stopwatch. All right, ready. Are wings an appetizer or a meal to you? Meal. How many continents have you visited? Two. Do you prefer grape jelly or strawberry jelly? Ooh, okay. Uh, Strawberry jelly on a biscuit, grape jelly on a peanut butter uh, jelly sandwich. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Incubus 2002, Jackson, Mississippi. (laughs) Do you own a pair of cowboy boots? I sadly do not own a pair of cowboy boots. If you could have any car, what would it be? Oh, dang it. Probably a Tesla. (laughs) How long would you wait in line for your favorite food? Uh, during a coronavirus or not coronavirus? Not coronavirus. Not coronavirus, three hours. <laughs> Maximum. Is, is politics interesting or boring to you? It is sadly incredibly interesting to me. <laughs> what is your favorite sport to play? Uh, it's a tie between tennis and golf. 
Are you an iPhone or Android person? iPhone all the way. All right, Minute Chris. nine. Oh, we did not make quite, it. Uh, I need to get it under 60. I need to start reading the questions faster. That was well, actually my I fault. Well, I think the uh, dividing between biscuits and sandwiches uh -huh. probably cost yeah. you a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the jelly diatribe got me there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and asking, about, asking for the clarification on the wait time, corona or non-corona. Uh, so, if, if you're built for speed, you can't ask questions like that. You just got to power through. Well, when you about the third one, I thought, oh, this is going to be over quick. And then you got to jelly. <laughs> I got it. I can't just. just yeah. Jelly. The fact that you clarified your answer. To, I mean, I like that as someone who's a foodie. Yes. The concert answer was surprisingly specific down to the year. What's that all about? Let me tell you. So uh, I've been saying this for, you know, for the last 18 years. Like I've, I've been to, I can't, I have no idea how many concerts I've been to in my entire life. But uh, the, it was October 25th. The reason I know that so well is because that's my wife's birthday. Uh, and in, in the year of 2002, it was, um, it was Incubus touring uh, from their Morning View album. And uh, th there was no, uh, when, the, when the band got on stage, there was nothing flashing, no pyrotechnics, no like laser shows. They just played 25 songs that I just knew and, and like were just belting at the top of my lungs. Um, and so like, I, like, that's the one I always think back to. And I was like, good, good grief. That, that was such a, that was such a neat venue to go to. And, uh, and it was my favorite band at the time. And honestly, I still rock those albums when it, when I'm able to not around my kids, which is not as often anymore. Chris, do you know the year and time of your favorite concert ever? That's pretty intense. I don't remember the exact year. It was when I was living in Baton Rouge. So um somewhere circa 2010 and it was Foo Fighters at House of Blues in New Orleans small small room uh I mean probably 200 people at most and just I mean I just love that intimate atmosphere and I mean Cassie was getting claustrophobic she what she wasn't having it as much as I would I could have stayed in there for hours but we uh, did not get the encore because uh, she was starting to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I, ha I have an interesting runner up to it as well. And uh, Chris, this, you just jogged my memory. Um, it was also in Jackson, Mississippi. I don't know why my memories seem to go there for some reason. Uh, but there, but the civil wars, you know, like you remember about 10 years mm -hmm. ago, like, just blew up. They had a song that was, I think on Grey's Anatomy and they became like overnight instant sensations. Well, for some reason, they uh, like they were really huge at the time, but they had to do this makeup that was at a Mexican restaurant in Jackson, Mississippi. And so you're talking like maybe 40 people were in the room for the Civil Wars, and like Judith and I and a couple of us of our friends got to go and watch that, and that was one. That was a very like in, like first of all, incredible night. The music was great and just a really unique experience. Couldn't quite top Incubus, but still like the, I mean, just that really small setting with like with a band that was really one of the top in the whole country. Like to to be there, that was really cool too. We have to finish going around the horn then, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, what uh, your favorite concert? A tough choice. I I have to say it was probably, and I don't know the year, but we're talking seven or eight years ago. I got to see Mumford and Sons. Mm. Um, and they played 
you know, whatever the outdoor pavilion is down in Dallas. And it was like a last minute thing. I love Mumford and Sons. It's changed. The, the outdoor pavilion has changed names about 20 times. Yeah, so. about 20 times. Whatever. Jexa, Starplex, yellowpages.com, whatever. It's, yeah, it's a rotating cast of uh, sponsors. Yeah. So we, it, it was one of those things where the story about going was like pretty cool. Like uh, a friend of mine, I, I forget if his wife had just had a baby or something like that. And she had planned to go to the concert and then like the kid got sick or something. So at the last minute, he's like on Facebook, like who wants to go to Mumford and Sons? And I'm like, me, me. And his, I don't know, his brother-in-law or something had worked for or worked through American Express to get those tickets that, you know, like exclusive tickets. So basically we were like in the first couple rows right behind the mosh pit or whatever you call it for Mumford and Sons. And it was so great. But I will say just quickly, the most surprising one that I think I ever enjoyed was Maroon 5. I always thought, you know, like I like Maroon 5. I mean, sure, they're like a, you know, poppy band. You, you know, you get a catchy song in your head. But concert at the AAC probably close to 10 years ago now was it was amazing like really really good like i was shocked at how good they were live in concert so you could do a whole show on this we do want to talk about what kyle's doing though we could we could talk about (laughs) old concerts forever we could talk about old concerts forever yeah (laughs) but uh you know we heard a little bit off the top and I'll, i'll play a little bit more under uh when we're visiting right now just it's relaxing this uh what you put out here again noble prizes is the name of it you know, since it came out, before I'll pull up just a general classical music playlist on Spotify, when I want to kind of relax a little bit, I'll play this first. So, you know, hopefully you're seeing those pennies roll in from Spotify right now, maybe even a nickel at <laughs> this point. But, you know, just how did you get to the point where, you know, this is what I want to put out into the world? What's What was that like as far as getting to that point? Well, I will say this. Uh, so I actually uh, started um, the, the um, sound design about eight years ago. I've been playing the piano for over 30, uh, but the idea that I could actually just like have my own ability to record something in my house, uh, that's something I've been kind of doing for the last, uh, you know, really uh, eight years now. Uh, and, uh, you know, once you enter kids into the mix, like I have two beautiful daughters who I love dearly. Alice is seven, Penny is four, Judith is my wife. We just celebrated our 15 year anniversary. Uh, once you have kids in the mix, your hobbies have to get kind of put on a back burner. Uh, and so we, we moved into this house. Uh, we have a room where I have a studio um, that, uh, that I'm able to have like my speakers, my keyboards, um, and, and a place for my computer. And a couch and, where I can sleep where I'm in town. Yeah, which you have. And I'm actually sitting. <laughs> the couch like that. Um, and, uh, and so I remember probably week three of the shutdown order from the coronavirus. And I looked down and, at, at the studio and I thought to myself, that is inexcusable that I've just given up on wanting to, to make my own music. And, and so one day I just, I came downstairs and uh, I use a, I use, this might be a little technical uh, and a little nerdy, but uh, I use a sound program uh, called Reason uh, that's uh, made by a company in Sweden called Propeller Heads. Um, and you can really, you, you have, it's like a blank canvas for an artist. Um, and so uh, I, I was able to just go in and open up a file and just click record. And honestly, like, Noble prizes just happened. 
And, uh, and so it was about probably six minutes later, I like, I, I was done with the song, uh, and I went back and listened to it and I thought, I'm actually kind of proud of that. And I've, I've never, uh, really been proud of anything that I've made on my own before. Um, I, I've always been much more comfortable playing other people's music because it's kind of, it's less risky. Like if, if somebody says, Hey, I loved how you played that Coldplay song. Um, I don't really have any skin in that. Like it's like, it, like that's their song. So once you release something of your own into the world, you're releasing a piece of yourself to really be criticized. Um, and that's always been something that I've been fearful of. Uh, but more recently, like I just, I've just kind of was like, you know what, like, I'm not going to let that drive it anymore. I'm going to just put myself out there and, and just see what happens. And, um, and so, so far, uh, but like, I've been pleased, uh, with, with the feedback that I've received, uh, to this point. And, you know, I say that humbly, not from a, like, look how good I am, but just was like, wow, like I, it is okay to, to offer a piece of your own creativity and it's not going to get completely trampled. Yeah. What is it like to release something in an age of music where people aren't really buying albums anymore? Um, and they're really even more and more rarely buying songs because everything is streaming. So what's that process like for those of us who haven't released an album? And, you know, do you just kind of roll up to Apple Music and Spotify and like, here's my files? Or what does that look like? And then what does it look like for an artist that's maybe trying to see like, you know, does this go anywhere? Or is this just kind of a fun hobby? So I would say this, uh, let me answer that in two ways. Uh, so the first one from a practical sense, like I honestly thought that you just took your, took your files and sit and emailed Apple and said, Hey, I've got music. How do I get on iTunes? It's a lot more complicated than that. Um, and I, I really had to like, I really chose to walk it blindly. Like I, I didn't reach out to try to find an agent. I didn't reach out to try to find any kind of producer or anything. Like I really wanted to just kind of see what is this like if I did this, strictly by myself. Um, and so what, what I had, what I discovered was I had to uh, go through a distributor and uh, I did sign with, uh, with a company called Ditto Music. Um, and uh, for not a huge fee per year, uh, they basically send uh, the, my songs uh, to the different platforms. And so what, what I discovered on the front end of all of this, after I released it into the wild, um, and this is more for like new artists that may want to try this on their own. Uh, once that, once everything was kind of out there, I had to go and reach out to each different streaming platform and say, Hey, those songs belong to me. And, and so, uh, I have a name that's not super uncommon, like Kyle Roberts. Uh, there's already other artists on Spotify and on, uh, on Apple music and, uh, YouTube music. Uh, there's at least one other Kyle Roberts. And so when my music released, it went under his, uh, his discography. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that I was kind of thinking to myself, don't really publicize that you're out there yet until you can clean everything up. Um, and so I had to like basically appeal to each of these different streaming platforms. And you would think it would be just a digital process where if you can prove that it's yours, that they'll just give it to you. No, there's actually a board that has to review it um, and like of people. And so it was, a, it was in the submission process and a review process for, uh, for almost a week per site, uh, where it was under someone else's discography, uh, while I was waiting for them to come back in and say, Hey, this belongs to you. 
Um, and so finally, once I felt confident that Apple was fixed, uh, that Spotify was fixed and Pandora is still kind of, uh, kind of working out some of the kinks. Once I realized that those things were, were, were done, I felt comfortable saying, Hey, here it is. So th this is the, uh, this is the music. So it was really, it felt counterintuitive at first. Uh, but you know, looking back, I guess it makes sense. Like that's a way to protect me in the future. So some other guy named Kyle Roberts doesn't come along and say, Hey, those songs belong to me, not you. So you almost need to have like a super unique, like stage name or something. Yeah. If, so if don't I get confused. That, yes. Yeah. Like what was your I, big mistake? You didn't go with K row or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, everybody still calls me K Rob even the, to this day. There but you go. I should, I should have given that a, in retrospect, if I if I want to drop like a Chris Gaines style album in the future, uh, like I'll go with just K Rob instead of Kyle Roberts. But uh, uh, all joking aside, like I think that that was the first. So from a practical sense, that's that would be the thing that I would uh, that I would offer. The other thing, Aaron, I think to answer your question is, I had to on the front end determine what is the win for me. Like what what is the what would I consider success, and like waiting for those uh, pennies to come on Spotify, like that could take years in all sincerity. Like, sure. I, I think that, uh, so if I looked at it from a, Hey, like if a million people stream it, that's the win. Like I, that's not, that's not feasible to me. Like I, I didn't want to do this and set myself up for disappointment. And so I just kind of made uh, an agreement to myself that the real win in, in releasing my own music is to say, Hey, I was brave enough to do something that makes me uncomfortable. And that's to create something from scratch and then give it to the world and say, here you go. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. Cause I can promise you, uh, I would prefer that everybody like it because you know, deep down that means that they like me too. Um, and so that's, that's the kind of, uh, that's, that's just some of my brokenness that like, I, that I'm hoping this can help, uh, help me work through on my own that like, I don't have to, perform to to be who I am and I don't have to uh to to get streams and likes for my music it'd be nice but it doesn't define who I am so that was that was the other that was the other way to look at uh the reason for doing this I'm going to show you a uh, index card that Cassie put here on my monitor and just just spurred this in my head because the number of downloads don't matter. And I, you know, I worry about the number of downloads on this podcast and my other one and, you know, worry about ratings back in the day. And she, you know, put this here to remind me my identity and worth is found in Christ alone. So the number of downloads doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. Uh, but at the same time, I am enjoying it. I'm, you're getting, you're getting four plays for me at least once a day. Well, and that and that means a lot. When you sent me a picture of uh, of Austin uh, wor working on on some homeschooling stuff, and, and you said that you were playing in the background, in all sincerity, like that was my goal. Like if if I had a mission for my music, um, as it is right now, I would love that people would be able to turn it on in the background while they're studying, praying, meditating, uh, reading. Um, I, I know when I like to do those things and just try to relax, I love to have some soft music playing in the background. Um, and so the goal for me, any song that I put out in this season that I'm in, I want it to not be distracting. I want it to be something that you can just put on and say, man, I really just enjoyed listening to that while I was sweeping my floor or while I was, uh, while I was reading a book or while I was helping my child do, do homework in this 
um, awful age that we live in right now with the coronavirus, if, if it can offer any sense of just relaxation and calm, that's what I want to be about right now. And, the only uh, distracting thing is that it's only four songs, so we need, <laughs> we need more so the playlist doesn't end so quickly. Yeah, the, the, and, and I, I can assure you I'm working on that. Uh, the, um, I, I've kind of given myself a deadline for a full album uh, by the first week of November, if, if I can. Um, the, uh, the process to, to make the songs, thankfully, has not been, um, to this point, it has been diligent, and, I've, and I, have, I, I have given them the, the work that I think that they deserve, but it has not been something that has uh, you know, that, that I'm having to spend hours and hours a day producing to, until I feel that it's just perfect. Like I want it to be good enough and I want it to be something that's enjoyable. It doesn't have to be, um, perfection and, and that's, and that's okay. Um, and so that, that to me gives me hope that the, that the rest of, I'm shooting for 10 songs. Uh, so that means I need seven more. Um, and, uh, I've got about, uh, two that are in the, that are, uh, currently, um, that I'm, I'm mixing and mastering right now. And that means I've got five more to compose. And so, um, I, I know that's a kind of a, um, that, that may seem lofty and I hope I can hit that. But the goal is for the first week of November that the, that the rest of the album, uh, the full album will release. I was going to say that, you know, instrumental music is something that I think a lot of folks probably maybe didn't grow up with an appreciation for unless they were in the musical world or, you know, tend to play an instrument. Um, and to me, the interesting thing about it is that it, it's almost got a much bigger burden to carry, right? When there's not lyrics, which get so much focus of our music, when you listen to a song, right? Everybody knows the lyrics. And uh, when you have instrumental music, you're you're obviously focusing on something different. I think you already hit it on the head that the cool thing about instrumental music is it can be a background track to your life, if you will. It is not invasive. It's not disturbing. There's really nothing that anyone can get upset about. It's in no way divisive um, in which normal music can be, right? But it gets kind of pushed to the back burner. So um, what do you think about, you know, kind of just instrumental music in general and you know, why maybe it doesn't get as much attention or do as, you know, pop music and these other things that, that generations grow up on? That, Aaron, that's an excellent question. I, I don't know that I have a, I don't know that I have a, just a great, uh, solid answer for that. Um, you are right, though. If, if you're just listening to a radio um, normally in your car, that's not satellite. If it's an FM radio, you're not going to you're not going to find hardly any stations that are just playing instrumental music. I mean, I think that uh, everything uh, is, is lyrical, especially nowadays. And so um, that uh, that's that's definitely something to chew on. I'm, I'm not sure uh, what the answer to that is. Uh, but uh, I, I do think, though, that like if that, you're, you are right about the, the idea that the goal for any kind of instrumental song is for people to be able to project what they need into, into that on their own. And I think lyrics kind of do that for people. Uh, but if you just have like some uh, music going on in the background, you get to kind of determine how it makes you feel. And so if you need it to be calming, it can be calming. If you need it to energize you, it can energize you. Um, and so I think that, uh, I would like to see more in all sincerity. Like I've got a lot of talented friends uh, where I live that, uh, that can play like all sorts of instruments, whether, you know, electric guitars, 
Uh, I got some uh, dear friends, Jed and Todd both play electric guitar. Dustin plays bass. I'd love to hear what the, what they can compose one day um, uh, on, on their own too, if, if, if they so choose. We do thankfully here in Dallas have the great WRRFM uh, for instrumental and classical. So that, that has come in in the clutch with the kid in the car seat uh, many a time to try to put him down for a, for a nap while we're driving. Uh, Kyle, obviously uh, it's not just about the music for you. You got so many other things going on broadcaster too. Do you have uh, football lined up for this fall or is it going to happen there in Louisiana? So the LHSAA, uh, which uh, that's, that's the governing body for high school athletics in, in the state of Louisiana, they just voted uh, in the last couple of days to go forward with football. Uh, and so Ruston High School, who I'm very proud to, to be uh, the voice of the Ruston Bearcats, this will be my 10th year uh, doing the play-by-play -play for Ruston High School, uh, they, will, they will kick off on October the 2nd. And so this, the, the season is shortened by, uh, by two weeks. So it'll be an eight-game regular season as opposed to 10. Um, and so I'm, I'm gearing myself up for that. Uh, I, if I could just be, you know, fully transparent, um, you know, I'm a, I, I am a type 1 diabetic. Uh, and so in, in the age of the coronavirus, I do have to take uh, extra, extra um, caution and I have to really weigh risks in being in any kind of environment where there's multiple people. Um, and so I, obviously I don't say that to cause any divisiveness uh, as that has already been about the, the virus itself, but that's just more of my own, um, how I have to look at it uh, every day. So that, that's been something that my wife and I have thought about for months uh, about whether I would be able to continue to do that. And, and we, we do believe that um, if I continue to take caution and, and take some uh, mitigating uh, measures into place that I'll be able to do that again this year, which I'm very much looking forward to uh, as well. But it has definitely been something that I've had to kind of think about of like, man, it, like, it is, is, is anything that I do at this point, leaving my house, is that risk worth taking these days? Yeah. I mean, it's a constant evaluation for, for all of us. Um, and you know, nothing has been unaffected. We've talked a lot by COVID, but probably sports, right, is, is, has seen just so much impact, sports and the arts, because anything that is kind of a, a voluntary activity where large groups of people, you know, gather together, everybody from the, the students participating in, in, you know, collegiate athletics to professionals to the people on the sidelines to the audience, and of course, the broadcasters have to, you know, make that decision. So, I know that Chris is going to be glad to see some football. Um, I'm glad I'm to have, see some I'm having football. to figure out those same kind of safety precautions, yeah. though. And uh, some, For me, obviously, but even more so for my partner on most of my ESPN broadcast, Lynn Rollins, he is up in, up in age where he is certainly at high risk. And we're scheduled to do the uh, Louisiana Tech-Houston Baptist game for ESPN coming up on the 26th of September. And we're having to deal with them on, you know, are you going to have a plexiglass uh, put in place to divide us like you see on so many of the games right now? I mean, we want to make sure that we don't endanger each other just sitting there in the booth and talking. Yeah, and that, that's something that I, I've even thought through. Like, could, could I broadcast a game if I wore a face mask the entire time? I, yeah, I no, Lynn, Lynn would like for both of us to, which in the booth right now, uh, is is somewhat abnormal on the sidelines it is the norm uh, mm -hmm. so 
know, when I have sideline reporter gigs this season, I fully expect to be wearing a face mask the entire time. But in the booth, it would it would be somewhat odd. But, you know, if that's what Lynn wants and, uh, you know, our employer is OK with it, then uh, so be it. Yeah. And, and that's that's kind of my approach to it, too, Chris. If, if I'm to me, like if I'm if I'm broadcasting with a mask on, it's much more about just wanting to make sure that the, the people that I'm in proximity with, like if it's just an extra measure to make sure that they're safe and protected and. Uh, for me, if I can love my neighbor in that way and make myself uncomfortable, I'll do it. Yeah, I, I, I really have no, no reservations when it comes to that. But just the, just the thought, Chris, if I told you a year ago that you and I would be having a conversation about wearing a mask or putting up plexiglass to do a broadcast, you would have, you would have slapped me. You would have thought I was insane. Everything about this, there's no way you could predict. And it's just, it's all so bizarre. And, uh, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been fun, but we'll take, I'll take whatever measures we need to, uh, to be able to play. I mean, for, for where you are, again, you're in Ruston, Louisiana, mm -hmm. uh, where Louisiana Tech is, and they had their game postponed this weekend. 30-plus cases uh, of COVID-19 on their football roster, and it's one of several games that's been postponed for this weekend. And, Louisiana Tech's case, it looks like it came from Hurricane Laura in the aftermath of that, where student athletes had to scramble and either get out of town or welcome in visitors from out of town to areas they were even more affected. So it's it's somewhat unique to to La Tech in that case, but there's going to be reasons where it comes up. There's going to be outbreaks all season long. It's not there's there's not going to be a week goes by that we don't see postponements. I think I think that's absolutely true, and I can tell you as somebody who had the uh, the shutters cracked open and was watching Hurricane Laura hit literally my house, I, I have nothing but empathy for people that had to leave and go somewhere else and probably expose themselves just to be safe. I mean, it was absolute. I never thought in in my almost forty years of living in Ruston that a hurricane, not a tropical storm or not just the bands, the eye of the hurricane went over my house, and that's to me absolutely insane but hey it's just another 2020 thing at this hurricane <laughs> hit your house in north louisiana of all places yeah well i mean you used a phrase that was uh used by one of our great guests brian franklin a couple weeks ago which is uh love your neighbor right so mm -hmm. uh you know without getting too controversial and political because chris and i have about beat that one to death on <laughs> previous podcasts um I think that the best rule for all of us in 2020 is to love your neighbor, whether that's wearing a mask or whether it's just seeing how you can help out someone who's been impacted or could be impacted in any one of the ways that 2020 has kind of you know, decimated our country and our world. So um, we really appreciate you coming on, Kyle. Um, it's great. I hope that everybody goes out and gets your music. Once again, where can everyone find it? Uh, currently, the, the, the best places to find it are on Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, th those are the two, the, the two main ones that I feel very confident. Uh, but the truth is, is that they're out there on almost every other streaming platform at this point. And uh, in the future, I will probably be more strategic about where I release it. But my first thought was just, hey, get it out, then just see what happens uh, with at least with this EP. And so, yeah, Spotify, search for Kyle Roberts, K-Y-L-E-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Um, and Nobel Prizes is the name of the EP. Uh, so yeah, again, guys, I cannot tell you how much it means to me to be asked to do to come on uh, th this evening and, uh, and and do this with y'all. I'm I'm a, uh, just just very humbled and honored to be here tonight. 
Man, we appreciate your time. And all of that's going to be in the show notes. So uh, wherever you're listening, just uh, make a few clicks and you'll easily be linked to the music there as well. But uh, Kyle, thanks so much. And I'll be seeing you barring uh, Louisiana Tech having a couple more games postponed. I should be seeing you in a few weeks uh, for that broadcast when uh, Law Tech takes on HBU. I look forward to it, man. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. Great to have Kyle on, and we really might have to invite him back just to talk concerts. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think a concert podcast, like the best concert I ever been to podcast, could probably go for a while. Now, what Aaron is into this week? Papaya payments. This is the first I'm hearing about this, so uh, you need to fill me in. Yeah, so two picks this week, both very recent. I mean, these are like what we're into this week or what I'm into right now. So mm-hmm. I hate paying bills, okay? And so because I use technology, obviously I've done online banking for a while. I have every single thing that you can set up on auto pay, set up on auto pay draft so I don't have to touch it. However, all of us encounter those random occasions when we get a bill. So for us this year in my family, based on some of the podcasts, you know, we've had a lot of medical bills and not just my wife, just about all of us have been impacted and they come from different doctor's offices and there's 74 different logins and things you have to remember. But, but here's the real annoying thing. I've gotten about two doctor's bills this year that do not take online or even phone payments, Chris. You have to literally mail something via snail mail with a stamp to pay your bill. And I was just over it. I'm like, I'm just, can we just default on these? Is it worth my credit score to have to go to the post office? Where, this is in the Frisco area? In Frisco, Texas. Texas. Okay, so. Yes. Yes. Are they living? I don't understand. I, I really don't. I would, if this was, you know, middle of nowhere, even then I wouldn't get it. I, I, I'd ha- you have to go back to the 80s to find some place where you ha- had to pay this way. I don't get it. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> so in comes papaya payments. Okay. So I'm really into tech and startups. This is a startup whose mission is to make your bill paying the easiest it's ever been. And so the idea here is just like any other payment account, you store your credit card in there. And then when it's time for you to pay a bill, okay, get this. This is just, I I need everybody to clear their mind. All you do is take a picture of that bill. So you get the statement, you know, that front thing that says return this. Mm -hmm. You just take a picture of it and hit submit and Papaya pays it for you. It's literally that simple. They are actually probably putting a check in the mail for you in that case. So so with in this specific instance, yes, right? But so what they do is you can pay any bill, any bill. So if it has an online portal, it's scanning that bill and using AI and it's actually logging into that portal and as if it was you and paying it electronically. 
If not, they actually have some other backend secret methods that they don't talk about to get payments to many doctor's offices. But if all else fails, like this one doctor's office that has no form of digital interaction with people in 2020, they will mail a check on your behalf. And so I decided to test this the other day with three different bills. And one of them was like online with a login. Another of another one had like a different process. And the third one was this one where they didn't take anything, right? I did all three bills and they all went through. Just so just amazing. You could sit there and pay a stack of bills in like 30 seconds with Pretty good. payment. I, so, I haven't never been bothered by the bill paying process too much. I mean, I sit down and take two minutes and get it done, but this will cut down and I'm happy to take off any time possible. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be downloading this. This, is pro- this might be your first pick of the week that I will actually do. So. Oh, great. So all my <laughs> other ones are useless. Thank you. No, there have uh, been, been other good ones, but this might be your best. Well, I might top it right here, depending on if you have a sweet tooth right now, though I think they're closed. So I found this place earlier this week in scrolling through DoorDash, which I do regularly since I've been at home for um, inordinate amounts of time looking for new places. And I happened to see this place called Cineholic pop up. And, you know, I looked at it. It was a picture of a cinnamon bun. I happened to be a big fan of cinnamon buns. And I said, we're going to try this. And so I ordered the plain, I think they call it the old school roll and got for my wife and kids. And we had them delivered to the house and they were still a little bit warm and uh, they were amazing. And it took me a minute, but I think both of us, both my wife and I quickly said, this is probably the best cinnamon roll I've ever had. And that's, that's a bold statement because I'm a big fan of some of the other cinnamon buns out there. Probably the best. So I go home, not go home, because I was at home. Um, <laughs> I, I go to bed that evening and I'm just like scrolling through my phone. I'm like, I'm going to find out more about this place. Like, is this, you know, just a local place? I thought it was a, a chain or something. And I come to find out that Cineholic was actually on Shark Tank. And so it started in um california and it was you know a pretty popular place but they were looking to open another location and they wanted funding so they went to the sharks they all tasted them they all said man these are amazing um one of them said i will take your deal kind of i want instead of opening more locations to do an online business where we actually ship these cinnamon buns out And they accepted the deal. But interestingly enough, when I went to their website the other day, because I was thinking about maybe shipping some of these to people, there was no online business. And I'm thinking, that was on Shark Tank. I mean, we all know reality TV is true 100% of the time, right? I mean, um, but I I read an article, a follow-up article that they afterwards went back on the deal. They didn't like the terms of it. So I guess when you agree to something on Shark Tank, it's just kind of a handshake. And then you have to sign an actual contract. And they decided not to, but I guess their Shark Tank got them such popularity as, you know, most people do get free marketing on there and it skyrockets their business. They now have a pretty sizable amount of locations across the country via franchise and they're growing. So I think in the Dallas area, I saw three so far. 
Um, one up here in McKinney. I think there was one down in Richardson, and I don't remember where the other one is. So if you're local to this area, if you're not, go on the Cineholic website and see if you can find it. But there's one big secret, Chris, that makes these things taste so good. Do you have any idea what it is? I don't. And, you know, I loved your first one, but I don't like cinnamon. So I'm not going to be taking part in this to begin with. So this is very disappointing. This is probably the most disappointed I've ever been in you. No, you have plenty of other bigger disappointments. Well, the office is a pretty big disappointment, but um, so here's the deal. I really don't tend to like healthy things. Okay. I, I know what's healthy, but it doesn't taste very good. And don't ever try to convince me, which some friends have done that like, you know, plain chicken breast and broccoli tastes as good as a piece of cake. You are a liar. Okay. <laughs> I will say this definitively, definitively. It doesn't. Okay. Um, now I'm not going to claim that these cinnamon rolls are healthy, but there are two things that were revealed in Shark Tank, which set them apart from other cinnamon rolls. Number one, they are vegan. Vegan, okay? So that means there is no animal products. There are no, there are no animal products in these, including eggs, butter, which I thought I tasted butter. I guess it was margarine, fake butter, right? Um, so they are completely vegan. And not only are the cinnamon rolls vegan, the cool thing about this place is they have a ton of toppings and things like chocolate chips and all that, they're all vegan versions. So I was a little bit disappointed in myself when I figured out that the best cinnamon roll that I ever had in my life was vegan. I felt like I kind of betrayed myself a little bit, just a little. Oh, you, got, you got fooled and it worked out. I got fooled and it worked out, yeah. They don't, they don't put like vegan bakery on the front because they right. know like no one would walk in other than the four vegans that are in McKinney, Texas. So... Um, the other part, though, that I didn't notice, they also said on Shark Tank, is because of some of the ingredients they use, despite the fact that I thought they taste better, they have about half the calories of their nearest competitor, which I'm just assuming is Cinnabon, because Cinnabon is really the only national name Cinnabon, um, mm-hmm. cinnamon roll place, right? So an average Cinnabon, you're, you're talking like 900 to 1,000 calories, I think, for a Cinnabon where these are more like around the, the 500-ish um, territory. So half the calories and vegan, which also the vegan thing, it does get rid of a ton of kids, they said, that have allergies. There's a ton of kids that have dairy allergies and egg allergies. So the fact that they can have these and have like a really good tasty treat is a, is a cool thing, especially for those kids and the parents of those kids. So big fan of Cineholic look it up if there's a location near you you can even get it delivered to your house so you don't have to expend any energy getting your cinnamon rolls so you can't mail it but if you're local to one of the locations just yeah you can get, get it delivered from the local restaurant yeah. okay if I you're gotcha. not near it then you're out of luck but just yeah. pray that maybe a location as they franchise you know comes to you <laughs> sooner or later or you know if you have the bucks maybe you can open a franchise yourself get in on that uh, gravy train that's true. Yeah. That's true. Maybe that'll be my next investment, finding somewhere to open up a new Cineholic. And I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't be taking part in it myself, but if all of you guys enjoy it, then more power to, uh, to my pocketbook. I'll take it. You can pay all of your bills with papaya in a flash. I will. 
Uh, I'll be uh, traveling next week. So uh, the plan right now is to skip another week and uh, come back after that. Uh, we're not sure yet if we're going to be bi-weekly from, from here on out, but at least uh, you'll have to wait another two weeks until you hear from us again here on No Longer Neighbors. In the meantime, head to nolongerneighbors.com. You can find our uh, links to our social media there. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can also find our contact information there. So if you have an idea for a future show or, you know, I'd really like to hear is some ideas for our rapid response segment. That'd be, uh, that'd be cool to hear from the listeners on uh, what they'd like to see addressed with uh, that quick response, 10 questions in 60 seconds. Uh, so good job on that, by the way. I really like the idea. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, I will get some interesting answers. And, you know, I like writing the questions as much as I like hearing the answers. All right. Again, nolongerneighbors.com. If you like college football, you can find my other podcast, Group of Five Live, part of Landry's Football Conference Call. We'll actually have an episode of that dropping on Friday as well. So maybe back to back with No Longer Neighbors and Group of Five Live here on your, uh, your podcast today. We'll talk to you again in about two weeks.